Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planner Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC shares his planning approach to help people toward a place where they may be at peace regarding their financial goals. In this dynamic podcast, Royal will share his insights on how to design a retirement plan to help you plan for your future. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to Life by Design with Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Royal, it is so good to talk to you again. Uh, great to talk to you too, Eric. Exciting months here during the uh, the summertime. I hear the uh, the weather where you're at is uh, pretty warm. And uh, from what it sounds like, you need to mow your lawn. <laughs> Have you been talking to my wife, Royal? <laughs> no, it's We text a little bit. You we know. text a little bit. Yeah, here and there. Yeah, it's, it, it's good to keep in contact. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's so hot. And it's, you know, of course, I love the sun being out for as long as it is. When I was a kid, this was the best time of year. You could play until 9, 930, you know, with all the kids in the neighborhood. It's good to see all the kids out playing. But when I'm looking at my lawn going, gee, many Christmas, I can't mow it because it's going to burn to death <laughs> because it's mm-hmm. how hot and sunny it is. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to be, I think I'm going to go out there with a flashlight on my head tonight and just mow it like at 11 p.m. Just, you know, I'm sure the neighbors will be real happy about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What could go wrong in that scenario? Uh, exactly. <laughs> this may be our last podcast, Royal. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. It, uh. it is nice. It is summertime. It is a time to kind of renew those relationships that we've been so cooped up. It's nice to go out and talk to neighbors a little bit more and, and still a little bit of social distancing going on here. But at least we're all outside. We played badminton the other day, which is, you know, a sport I never thought I'd say out loud. But uh, My wife loves badminton. It's yeah. one of her favorite games. Yeah. I, I like it because the shuttlecock or birdie or whatever you call it, it moves mm-hmm. slowly after it, as it, as it descends, <laughs> it kind of moves slowly. I can get to it usually. I don't do tennis. Right, right. Yeah. It seems like you're getting a workout, but really not really. <laughs> Shh, don't bust my bubble. Well, I am getting a workout, an intense workout. Okay. We didn't come here to talk about uh, shuttlecocks and birdies and, and uh, my lack of exercise. <laughs> let's, let's move on. <laughs> what are we talking about, Royal? Yeah, um, just want to do a touch base. We, we had our 25th anniversary here last month. It was a, a great time here in the office, but we really didn't get a, a chance to celebrate with our clients mm-hmm. and uh, you know the people we work with here in the community. So uh, we have gone ahead and uh, kind of delayed our one-year anniversary. We're going actually going to have a 26th anniversary party next year yeah, nice. around June. Hopefully, once uh, this is a, a distant memory, you know we have our fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see if we can do that. You know, in the meantime, though, just to kind of reassure clients and and others who might be listening to the podcast for the first time, hey, we're still open. We're still doing calls uh, with clients either over the phone or we've really really become experts on Zoom and those types of meetings. And then here in Oregon where we are doing some in-person meetings, but we're really encouraging people, you know, if there's not a, a reason for us to meet face-to-face, let's just do it over Zoom or over the phone just to be on the safe side. Mm-hmm. Uh, with everything going on right now in the country. Yeah. I mean, again, it is all about safety. And we just passed the 4th of July here recently, and I was able to go out to my parents' house. I know a lot of people got together for these events. You still just want to be careful, and you still want to keep your family safe. And, and I get that. So I'm, I'm really excited that you guys are still going to do a nice big celebration, but just pushing it off a year. And again, congratulations. I know we said that on a previous podcast, but that's a huge milestone. 
Yeah, it's, it's very exciting, you know, to uh, be a part of what we've been building here for the last 25 years. And, you know, here's to the next 25 years and even beyond that. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. So beyond that, what are we discussing today? Yeah, I thought what we would take some time with, I'm, I've been chatting with on a kind of a number of occasions here, some people who are just starting off their careers, hmm. uh, you know, usually around the age of, you know, 24, they're maybe just out of college or, or just starting that first job in what they would like to see as their career. So, you know, the title of this podcast is, so you're turning 24, now what? Um, <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> So, you know, we're, we're not going to necessarily try to solve, hey, what should you do with your life? Because, hey, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Mm -hmm. But I think what we want to do is just take some time and throw up some ideas that if you are, you know, 24 to, you know, 28, just kind of starting that first job, what should you be looking at to really set yourself up for that first step into becoming financially secure in the future? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, you know, I remember I, I, us talking about this a little bit before Royal, where one of my first jobs when I was about 23, 24 years old, and they offered that 401k. We had the meeting and I just wasn't sure on a whole lot. The gentleman that was there, although nice, not very informative. And so it was basically, well, at your age, you should be aggressive. So check this box. Okie dokie. And that's about all the interaction <laughs> I had. So, and mm-hmm. we've spoken about it before where 24, getting into your career, this is the perfect time to sit down with an advisor just to say, exactly, get the answers to the questions that you're going to address today during this podcast. But it's so vitally important. You're so busy, so excited about the new career, so excited about the new job, kind of busy celebrating. So excited about having a paycheck. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) And all the things you can do with that paycheck. Uh, And a lot of it should be saving, uh, according to Royal, and I agree 100%. But this is the perfect time to sit down and have this conversation. So let's give them a preview Mm -hmm. of what this conversation is going to look like when they actually do reach out and talk to you. Absolutely. And the number one thing I want people to walk away from today is the importance of starting early. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so important not to squander this time even though you kind of think to yourself, well, I can make it up when I'm, you know, 30 and run in this place. That's just not the way things work oftentimes is if you don't start creating that habit of being financially secure and financially independent, really very early on, bad habits start to creep in. So number one, we want people to start early, not just to get kind of that beautiful compounding interest that we talk so often about, Mm -hmm. but also just to create that habit so you don't have to go back in your 30s and start unlearning habits you picked up in your 20s. Yeah. All right, Royal, they have their first job. They are starting a new career. And again, back in the day, it was a little bit different, right? Somebody started a career. We've talked on this on previous podcasts about pensions and kind of how they've gone Mm -hmm. by the wayside. Uh, And somebody was in their career for 30, 40, 50 years. Just doesn't seem that way anymore. So I think that that's a big, important thing that people need to understand, that they may be changing careers during their lifetime, and and they need to understand that. But for this point in their life, they're starting their new career, their first major job, what do they need to do? Well, I think number one, you know, we kind of have to differentiate here is there are still some long-term careers that people get into Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe it's pretty easy. You just get a job as, you know, a 
uh, police or fire uh, department or maybe a teacher, and hey, that's just what you're going to do for the next 25, 30 years. That's great. But I think there's a whole lot of other people who are maybe doing different things, for instance, in technology, sales, you know, uh, management, the arts, who they just know they're going to be changing positions here every few years. They might be able to find something that offers them long-term employment, but that's more of the exception for a lot of these things is, especially early on in your career, you kind of need to be building your resume to get into a position like that and kind of upgrading that resume Mm -hmm. if you're in some of those other types of industry that don't have those long-term career paths. So number one, I mean, even at 24, just start thinking about what you want from your career over your lifetime. Even if it's something as simple as, hey, I don't want to work Saturdays and Sundays, or I'd like to travel, or I absolutely don't want to travel, just start coming up with that list of things you would like from your career. If there's a dollar amount that you'd like to make annually, hey, great. That'll help guide you to start planning, okay, these are the things I'm going to need to do to get up to that dollar amount. Mm -hmm. So I think just taking that time to kind of flesh out, okay, what do I really want from my career is a great starting point. The other thing I really encourage people to do, especially starting off, is if you're looking around and saying, okay, that person over there, that that person has the career or the job I want. You know, take them out to coffee, shoot them an email, find out how they got there, find mm-hmm. out what they did, and also what they would do differently if they were in your shoes to get to that point. Finding somebody who's already kind of cut that path is a great way of learning from other people's mistakes, which, you know, I know we all want to make our own mistakes. And being in your 20s, oftentimes, you kind of don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. So it's great to get someone else's perspective. Even if you don't take, you know, 100% of what they say, just get that outside third-party opinion to maybe help avoid some of the pitfalls that you might have in your career path. That's brilliant advice. That is absolutely brilliant advice. I mean, you know this. I'm a coach, and as a just getting a mentor is so invaluable. And I don't know anybody who, when approached to say, hey, can I take you out to lunch? I'd love to pick your brain about A, B, and C. You've already, number one, you're giving them a free lunch. <laughs> number two, you're <laughs> telling them that I value your experience. I value your knowledge. I value your wisdom. I don't know anybody who doesn't like that feeling. Oh, they want to know about me or they want my advice. You change them very quickly from a mentor to a cheerleader. And, and I say that in all seriousness because they can be a mentor, but they're also going to be the one that's going to encourage you along the way because you're asking them, you know, for the foundation of what they did so that you can either duplicate or learn from those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really valuable. I mean, don't go in expecting too much there. You know, you might not have just a, a lifelong friend and mentor out of one coffee, mm-hmm. but it's just that start. And I truly believe you can learn so much just from watching the people around you interact with their jobs, their careers, their community. So truly kind of being a student of, you know, for lack of a better word, success, Yeah, I think it's just extremely valuable and important for everyone as they start off their career, you know, learn how to be successful. Just because you have that college degree or that certificate doesn't mean that all the doors have now opened for you. That's really, you've gotten into the uh, hallway leading into the, the house, but uh, there, there's a lot of new decisions you have to make in front of you. So 
Yeah. So from there, kind of once once you kind of have that, you know, kind of big thinking, I think that's going to be an ongoing process through most people's, you know, first 10, 15 years of their career, maybe even longer. You know, from there, it's kind of time to do an inventory. Where am I at right now? You know, how how did I make it through, uh, you know, college or schooling? Have I taken on any student debts? Ooh, um, yeah. Uh, you know, kind of what am I dealing with there? Is it is it something manageable? Is it something where am I on the right payment plan? Am I in an industry that might offer loan forgiveness? Mm. And, you know, we talk, we've talked about loan forgiveness a little bit when we talk about student loan uh, repayments. That's an extremely complex and I sometimes think a purposely complicated system. So if you are a teacher or you're a nurse in a impoverished community, you might have those lo uh, loan forgiveness provisions available to you, but you need to talk to an expert about those to make sure you're on the right path. I've seen way too many people spend five years working for a county school thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to be able to have this loan forgiven after 10 years, but they didn't realize they had to do something at the very beginning to start that process. So they've oh, already man. wasted five years. And by that point, they might have already just paid it off. So definitely start looking at your student debt, if you have any, to start making that plan around that. And that's something we do some counseling on for clients. The other thing is, you know, were you able to get through that without taking on too much consumer debt? So for instance, you know, are you carrying a credit card balance? Have you got a car payment? You know, are there other loans that you have picked up like, you know, personal or payday loans or I have just seen the entire gamut of, you know, poor financial decisions there of people just trying to make it through and not really having the education of, yeah. you know, what interest looks like. What does it mean that you're paying 29.9% on a $1,000 credit card? Mm. Well, it's only $1,000, you know, whatever. You know, you have to start educating yourself around the bad kinds of debt as well as the good kinds of debt. Yeah, Royal, I, I mean, we alluded to it earlier. You've got your first paycheck or you've got your first job that's going to give you a, a decent paycheck, you know, besides your paper route and, you know, Burger King or whatever you worked at before <laughs> during college. But I think the trap that people get into is, okay, now I can get a better car. Now I can, you know, f finally afford that, you know, gaming system that I wanted or, or whatever it is, right? Those little, those little benefits of working hard, you should reward yourself for, for sure. But I think that people do get into that trap where, well, uh, you know, I've got this credit card. It's only, you know, it's got a $2,000 limit, so it's not that high, uh, but I'm going to get a few things for fun, right? And that, man, yep. that, that can really get you into trouble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also, I think, you know, there, there's this desire, just, just I think all human beings have it of, hey, we want that thing now. We mm -hmm. want instant gratification. So if we can kind of take that step back and start building that habit of living below our means, early on in our 20s, that's going to be a whole lot simpler than trying to learn that later on in life. Something very wise I once heard was, you cannot earn your way out of a spending problem. Mm. If you create a habit of always living above your means, it doesn't matter how much money you make. You are always going to keep expanding your lifestyle, expanding your monthly outflow to match that inflow and exceed that inflow. I've just seen it over and over again. It doesn't matter if you're making $300,000 a year. If your mentality is, I spend everything and then some that I have coming in, 
you are just going to always be behind the eight ball there. So we want to create that habit of living below your means early on. So that might make some, some really hard decisions early on of, you know, uh, how much am I going to pay for rent? How much am I going to pay for my cell phone plan? You know, uh, car, you know, all those things that we get to decide on how we allocate our first paycheck to, we really start to have to make some good decisions there because if we don't, we start building that bad habit. So we really want to start this whole conversation of starting off in your financial life, building that first good habit, which is living below your means. Yeah, living below your means and, and doing everything you can you know, during the time. You've talked about emergency funds before and saving mm-hmm. things. And that's mm-hmm. it's a great concept. It's something that I know that you teach and you preach. I agree with 100%. It is really difficult to do that, you know, when you're first starting out because you've got those things that you do want to buy or you've got those new bills that you're going to have to, you know, take care of, especially maybe you've got a little bit longer commute than you had before to school or you were living in dorms. Now you really do need a better car that you're going to have to to use for transportation, whatever that is. But one of the things that I know you've spoken about is when you get into a job, get that 401k started quickly because although it's a retirement plan, it's also a very effective forced savings plan, in my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times your employer will offer a match, but this is part of living below your means is, you know, can you save money out of your paycheck before you get that paycheck? Mm-hmm. And that's really, I think the true power of the 401k is if you can, you know, set a certain percentage and, you know, oftentimes our target for people is about 15% of your income should go into your retirement plan. Since there's no pensions out there, who knows what Social Security will look like in 40 years? Mm-hmm. You know, you really have to be very aggressive very early on saving for retirement. I'm not saying you have to start at 15, but get started. Start building that habit. And just by starting the 401k, you're reinforcing that habit of I live below my means. I save and I pay myself first, to use that old cliche, by utilizing the 401k. So we really encourage people to just get that started once they've got their consumer debt knocked out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their student debt oftentimes, you know, depending on the situation, might be a a kind of a longer-term problem that needs to be solved. So uh, at least try to capture that match early on is my advice to many of my younger clients. Just start that process, and then by working together, we're going to make sure you get up to that 15% as soon as you can. You know, maybe I should start getting those first raises uh, early on in your career. Yeah. Yeah. So Roy, let me ask you this. What about living arrangements? I mean, we've spoken many times on the podcast about people buying homes and and so on and so forth. But for Mm -hmm. somebody first starting out, do you think it's a good idea to rent a place? Should they look at renting with multiple people? Uh, Are they in a position to to purchase a home? Should they purchase a home with other people, partners, if you will? What are your thoughts? I mean, the landscape is changing these days, but I'd love to, to know what you think. Yeah. So my personal opinion here is it depends on where you're at career-wise. So if you think you're going to stay in an area, let's say less than three years, I'd probably say renting makes the most sense. Just because you're you're probably taking on a lot of risks there, buying a house and then trying to sell it again in uh, less than three years, especially early on, you know, talking about somebody in their mid-20s here. If you think you're going to be in the area for more than three years, at that point, I'd say it's probably makes sense to look at buying a home, Mm. uh, especially with interest rates where they're at. 
You know, I think there's definitely some arguments there of how much do we need to save up to put down on a home. Oftentimes, you can buy a home for 3%. Oftentimes, I'm like, you might want to come up with a little bit more than that to buy your home, uh, just to give yourself a little bit more equity and breathing room there. But also, I think, you know, there's a fallacy here of, hey, it's going to take me two, three years to save up 20% to put down on a home. You know, at that point, how much have you lost just in the appreciation of the property? Yeah, true. So, uh, you know, that's really something that will kind of sit down and help. Uh, I've also heard of people who are who are so focused on being completely debt-free that they want to save up and buy a house for cash. And Ooh. while I applaud, <laughs> I applaud their ambition there, that's extremely hard to do, especially on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because of home prices, you know, uh, Midwest, Florida, maybe something you can do. But uh, here on the West Coast, you probably need to use some leverage there to get into the home because otherwise what you have is, let's say you spend 10 years saving up for a home. In that case, over the last 10 years, you've probably seen the price of that home double in value while you're trying to kind of get to mm-hmm. uh, that sales price and where it was 10 years ago. So, you know, evaluating that, I would really say if it looks like, you know, you're going to be there more than three years, you know, three to five years is kind of, I'd say, a break-even point there where, where it starts to make some real sense to buy a home. Start that process. Start looking at, you know, how much do I need to save? How much can I put away over the course of this next year to, to work as a down payment? I think that will really start getting people into the best possible position here. Um, sat down with uh, some clients, you know, they're in their early 80s. They built their home at the age of 22. Wow. Back in, uh, let's see, 55 years ago. So you do the math there, I think 1965. So, you know, probably not a situation where you're necessarily going to buy your first home or build your first home and stay in it for 55 years. Mm -hmm. But it puts you at such a better place of stability and building your net worth that it's really something that you should look at early uh, because I think waiting until you feel ready to do it probably isn't the best idea getting into that first home. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's, yeah, that's going to be a challenge, but so worth it if you're able to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's fantastic. What else do we need to know at, at this tender age of 24. (laughs) Yeah. So I I would say that the two biggest things that I I see people kind of wait on, you know, incorrectly there is looking at getting life insurance. I I feel like if you're married, if people rely on you for your income, it's probably time to start looking at life insurance. Mm -hmm. It's also, if we're looking at a term policy, ridiculously cheap Yeah. to just get a small policy and get it in place to protect a spouse or, or children. Uh, if you're single, I you know I don't th- I think you can probably wait on the life insurance unless there's other issues there. But the type of insurance I see most neglected by young people is disability insurance. If we look at someone in their 20s, the chance of them being disabled over the course of the next 30 or 40 years is actually much higher than them passing away. Disability insurance is a great way of kind of moving the risk Mm. of becoming disabled off to an insurance Mm. company so that if something were to happen, you suffer an illness or an injury, that disability policy can step in, 
pay some of those monthly expenses and protect yourself and your family a whole lot more than just trying to say, well, what if, if it happens, you know, Social Security disability is out there. That just doesn't pay a lot, especially if you become disabled very early on in your career. So we really encourage people to take a look at disability. And that's something really, if, uh, if you are single, uh, that you're going to want to look into probably before life insurance. Royal, I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, when we're young, we think, <laughs> ah, nothing can, nothing can harm us. We're invincible. <laughs> I, I found in my 40s, that's a lie. <laughs> so d- disability, uh, I mean, those, those things happen, right? I mean, even if it's uh, you know, something that is self-inflicted, you know, like a softball wound or, or uh, some, some sort of thing that you, you mow your lawn at night with a flashlight mm-hmm. on your head, you know, those, those types of things do happen. So it'd be nice to be insured against that. Uh, is, is there anything else we need to cover today? So I think those are the basics. If, if you just kind of look at, you know, start building out your career path, your career plan, start addressing your debt early on, start building that habit of living below your means, saving for retirement, you know, figuring out whether or not it's the right time to buy a home, and then making sure you're protecting yourself and loved ones with insurance. Those are kind of the basics that if you address those early on, you really set yourself up to be on this pathway to financial freedom and financial success. Fantastic. Great information today, Royal. The last question I have for you is for all of our young listeners, congratulations on your new career. Congratulations on getting through college in this time. Now it's time to, to make that decision and make a phone call to Royal and his team. Royal, how do they reach out to you? Absolutely. You can go to our website at opfa.com. That's Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Schedule a time right there on the website or give me a call at 541-772-1116. All right. Again, Royal, fantastic information today. I appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. Good to chat with you. Now go mow your lawn. Okay, okay, Royal. Thank you. <laughs> Please don't tell my wife. I'm go- I, you know, go ahead and text her. Just let her know I'm going to be outside for a while. Yeah, All right. Yeah. <laughs> and the last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for listening and tuning in to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planner Financial Services. Material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc., Securities offered through United Planner Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC, Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planners Financial Services are independent companies.